Hello, and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. The verdict. This is our after-show podcast where we look back at our previous episode, Singapore. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and have a listen, or else be prepared. There will be spoilers ahead. <gasps> Thought I'd add some drama to it. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. My name is Ryan Weir and I am in the studio today with the rather delicious looking Peter Goddard. I've been tricked here. I thought it was going to be a party. Yeah, no, it's just me. I'm all dressed up. I'm really disappointed. Only it's not just me. On the phone we have the one, the only, our judge and jury and possibly executioner. (laughs) (laughs) It's Mr. Paul Dursley. You should call me Pierpoint. Pierre Point, he was the executioner, wasn't he? Yes, 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 he was. Played by Timothy Spall in the movie. He did lots of the Nazi war criminals, didn't he? Timothy Spall. <laughs> Just sideline, <laughs> when he wasn't acting, he would uh, hunt down criminals <laughs> and kill them. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. He was probably he was probably only about two at the time, if that. Well, it makes it all the more impressive, really. It's it amazing with a garrote, even as a toddler. <laughs> Terrible twos. <laughs> so, Paul, I'm after a penguin. Um, can you source me one? Do you have Do you have a man? I've got a penguin guy. So, what sort of? Uh, do you want an Adelie penguin or a Rockhopper penguin? What's the one from Mary Poppins? Oh, I'll have one of them. That's Dick Van Dyke. It's like 90 years old. Yeah, be in your house going, hello, Mary Poppins. Oh, stop it. That's a terrible accent. Just if I got it. Dick Van Dyke and put him in an ice bath, maybe I'd keep him around longer. With Walt Disney's head. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, though, I feel like if I get one penguin, then I'm going to want another one. And eventually, I'm going to have a house full of penguins. That sounds amazing. <laughs> What's a collective noun for penguins? I'd say an iceberg. An iceberg of penguins. Hey Siri, what's the collective noun for a group of penguins? I found some word results. I'll send them to Paul's iPhone. No, just tell me! <laughs> <laughs> well, that one worked well, didn't it? Oh, I love it. Right, we should talk about Singapore. Singapore. Episode 28. It's your time to shine. It is. Please jump into the spotlight and give for us your one minute summary. Off you go. Okay, I took us to one of just three city-states in the world, Singapore. This is an island, or rather 64 islands, between Malaysia and Indonesia. It's famous for being modern, having a high standard of living, really fast broadband and the largest indoor waterfall in the world. With that and being a tax haven, it's no surprise the rich and famous choose to reside there, including Jackie Chan and Jet Li. We learned that the singer of Singapore means lion after visiting Noble, spotted a big cat when visiting and named the region after it. We also found that the island was a trading post from a very early time, but it really took off when Sir Stamford Raffles established a centre here in 1819 setting the scene for the rise of a powerhouse. After World War II and a very brief time as part of the newly created Malaysia, Singapore became an independent entity in 1965, invested heavily in trade and technology and became the modern marvel we see today. We looked at ancient skulls in ancient caves and pondered the culinary design to the bird's nest soup. 
We also met the Orang Selatar, the sea gypsies who live, work and die in the waters of the area, fishing and crabbing in the local muddy mangroves. We also talked about the dangers they faced, including the toxic mosaic crab, the venomous viper that lurks in trees about face level, and the amazing paradise tree snake that flies, well, falls with style from tree to tree. Finally, we considered the challenging future faced by these indigenous peoples and hoped that they would find some way to survive and hopefully even thrive in a modern, changing world. Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. For me, there was no shout at the radio moment in this one. I'm surprised by that because I thought the gigantic pause whilst Ryan tried to think of city states beginning with M would have had you <laughs> shrieking at the radio. Well, I, 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 I suppose I did, but I, I, it's oh, it's only Ryan, you know. You should <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I thought I was going to get those? as well i thought that you know they were just gonna fly off the tip of my tongue and I, it turns out i don't i didn't know the city states at all i my favorite part of that was when ryan uh, ryan and i were talking <laughs> after the event and i said did you edit all that gigantic long silence out and he was a nope <laughs> <laughs> just left it in <laughs> i thought it was funny it was funny well, I, I i sort of i take a bit of umbrage against Vatican City. Oh, why? Well, it's so tiny. It's not really a state. I know it's called a state, but... Arguably, if it's tiny, it's, it's not really a city either. It's a city within a city. Um, a town state at best. What defines a city? A city in the UK is defined... Well, I think there's a couple of... Well, I'll let Paul answer this question, but I think you need a bishop at the very least. Well, uh, th that was the original definition. Uh, it had to have an episcopal seat in, didn't it? But now it's just by letters patent from the monarch. What does that mean? Get a letter from well, the queen. the monarch it? says, Dear all and present, let it be known that Colchester is now a oh, city. Okay. Well, you say that, Ryan. You should know that Croydon has on numerous occasions applied to become a city, and you're a resident of Croydon. You should know this. I didn't know that. Yeah, we've, we've tried to be a city a couple of times. No, I mean, I didn't know I was a resident of Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think you I thought live? I was in Chiswick. I mean, Jed, in fairness, Paul, everyone who lives in Croydon likes to think they live somewhere else. <laughs> it's a kind of a delusion we all cling to. <laughs> no, but that, that, did, that did get me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it did. So other than my inaccuracy and the lack of knowledge, um, how, how, did, how did Pete do? In fairness, I need to put my hands up to an inaccuracy. I'm leaping in oh. specifically so Paul can't take me apart no, I think this. you should let him. I think no. this, is the, this, is, this is the verdict. He's supposed to do this. It, it was a throwaway comment, but I felt bad about it. Because, you know, when you say something and you immediately think, ooh, not sure about that. But it's too late. You've said it. I, you, when in the midst of the horrors of trying to remember what a city-state might be, you said Macedonia. And I said, that's not even a country. Macedonia is definitely a country. I'm really sorry, Macedonians. Um, well, I didn't pick up on that. Maybe because there is a bit of a dispute, isn't there, over the name Macedonia? Is there? Why? What? There are two Macedonias? Yeah, because it used to be called the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Right. F-Y-R-R-O-Theorom. But they wanted to change their name to Macedonia, but uh, Greece objected because they've got a big uh, region that they also call Macedonia. So 
they sort of said, well, you can't call yourself Macedonia. So I think the official name of the country is now Northern Macedonia. They should have gone the American route and called it New Macedonia. Yes, New Macedon. New Macedon. It's a great name. I like that. But I think that, in which case, I'm totally off the hook. I know I was completely correct and not an idiot at all. No, you're still an idiot. Oh, dad. So, time and location. This was a this was quite a tricky one for 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 you, young Peter. Yes. In terms, did he stick to it enough for you? Um, I I have to say it was a difficult one, wasn't it? It was a bit like the Bahamas, where that you you you, you know the confluence of those three things was an empty set. Well, I think this one was quite different because there was, I think there was sufficient information. And what I tried to do was kind of triangulate what we did know to deduce what was plausible at that time. Which you is were Sherlock Holmes of that. history. I think, I think I should give you that. Yeah. I would say, you know, in my judgmental capacity, I think it meets the, on the balance of probabilities, but it doesn't meet beyond all reasonable doubt. Yeah, that's fair. Well, it raises a good question, though, doesn't it? Like, is it history? Is what Pete presented history if it's his deduction? Oh, that is very interesting because that's the definition of history, isn't it? It's his story. <gasps> yes. And the argument is, you know, his story might be different to his story, might be different to her story. The British account of the American Revolution may be different to the American account of their War of Independence. So the same thing is even called different things by the different sides. And I think it's fair to say that even over and above that, history has a definition which is documented. Documentation is part of history because otherwise yeah. prehistory wouldn't be a thing, right? Prehistory, yeah. prehistoric doesn't mean it never existed. It means it was not documented. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you could argue quite clearly it wasn't history. There's a ch- bit of a chain around your neck there if 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 you pick a t- subject that was not documented. Yeah. <laughs> We're using history in its sense to mean stuff probably happened. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't fit it on a t-shirt was the problem so we had to go with history. It was an abuse of the word but we had, we had to do it. Paul, did you discover anything from the episode? Assu- assuming Peter is right, um I wouldn't it's a fair caveat. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, there, there was one thing I found disturbing, I suppose is the right word, that they sort of have no archaeological society in the whole of the country. Whereas I always thought Singapore was really go, go, go ahead, you know, all of its green city in a garden. Surely you, you want to record your history and must admit I was surprised at that. I, I was also surprised by that. It, it felt like they almost have, I don't know, is it a moral duty to record the past rather than just discard it and build on top of it? Well, there's a challenge there as well, isn't there? Which is, <clears throat> it's useful to understand the past, but there is a sort of case where, to take a slightly different example, in the UK, there are certain houses or buildings that are sufficiently old that they then get a preservation order because they're so old that you should not put anything else there. But if you project that forwards, eventually everything will be an example of something sufficiently old that nothing else should go there. And then you just run out of space because everything is now protected as an example of the past and there is no future. Yeah. So you're always balancing the destruction of the future of the past with the 
with the uh, needs of the future. Well, yeah, I I, th- I think sort of t- certainly in, the, in in this country, yeah, we do do that. We allow the archaeological digs to go ahead, but you know they've got a time scale to do it, and then you know the builders are relatively considerate when they're building on top. They'll sort of put caissons and things around them, so mm. these modern buildings, which invariably are ephemeral, or they only last about twenty or thirty years, they'll then get knocked down again. And so you could have a look again at the archaeology, etc. So, but I, d- I don't know in Singapore, do they just destroy everything? I hope not. Well, there is, there is, in fairness to them, there, there are archaeologists and there is archaeology that happens. But what was, what is missing is a sort of state archaeology. So there's no state archaeologist and there's no legal requirement. Mm. There are people who do it and there are, so it's not that uh, nobody is interested. There is an increasing interest in pre raffles history in Singapore. Uh, so, sort of as a, as a country as a whole, they're 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 cognizant of that. But as a as a as a formal state, yeah. there is no requ- the, the requirement isn't there to do that. Is is there a danger that that we're too obsessed with the past? Maybe we should just let these things go. Then you're not doing the right podcast, are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a good point. point. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Cutting Edge Technology with Ryan and Pete. First question, what is a wafer? <laughs> oh, yes, I do remember that as well. Yeah, yes. so what happened in that episode was that Ryan was stupidly unaware of what a wafer is and his naivete and questions regarding the wafer manufacturing in Singapore made me realise that I didn't really know. <laughs> what a wafer was either so i kind of bluffed my way through it silicon chips and stuff but uh, this is probably a good time to say so paul what is what is a wafer then you just shouted technology at me that was that was how you got out of it i got scared and i shouted the word technology and then we moved on that's how that happened (laughs) do you know what one is paul a silicon wafer well, yeah, I, I do know what a silicon wafer is. It's when when silicon chips are made, you don't make them one at a time. You make, I, I don't know, hundreds of them at the same time. And they're all cut out, lasered out of a, a, a very thin slice, circular slice of silicon, which is called a wafer. And then once they've been done, they're each individually tested and then chopped up into the hundred ones. There's a lot of failures, so the failures are just rejected. And then the ones that pass become the silicon chips, which are part of that wafer. So this isn't the green board that you would see. It's the the actual chip on that's like soldered to it. Um, so in, in your terms, it's the black spider with the silver legs. Oh, it's the uh, black spider. Okay, cool. Well, now we know. Right. See? Knowledge is the power. I knew that, Ryan. I just wanted uh, Paul to explain it to us today. But really, you could summarise it by saying, it's technology, Ryan, it's just technology, moving on. (laughs) So, Paul, we talked about Singha, which meant lions. And I mentioned in that about the three lions on On the the shirt. shirt Not being real lions. Not being real lions. Some sort of leopard, I think you said. Yeah, so I went away and I checked that uh, because I wasn't 100% sure. So, Well, in heraldic terms, lions and leopards are the same thing. Okay, so tell us some more about that. So leopard is strictly the term that's used in proper heraldry. Yeah, you say that lions lions appear everywhere. And by heraldry, you mean coats of arms and that sort of stuff, right? Yes, 
Yes, I I think um, don't quote me. You might need to get get her to look this up for us. I think if they're in a certain position or certain pose, they're leopards, and if they're in a different pose, they're lions. So we don't need the voice of the internet for this one because I do know the answer because I did look this one up. Oh my gosh! And if Ryan is the voice, of if the a internet. lion is standing, hello, this is the voice <laughs> of the internet. Um, so if the lion is what's known as rampant, standing with its four paws raised, uh, that is a lion. Uh, but if it is walking with its head turned, like you can find on the England coat of arms and on the badge. And that is my shirt. Sorry. Good evening, sir. Hi. I'm going to make a bit late today, eh? Yeah, because it's a... The usual man is on holiday, so that's why they're running late. Okay. Well, I'm glad you've got your shirts. Mm -hmm. A man without pressed shirts is a man... Wrinkly. Wrinkly. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I sent a jacket to be dry cleaned as well, and I think there was a mask in the pocket. So I've got a little ma- laundered mask. Oh, that's good. That's how I send all my masks for dry cleaning every <laughs> end of each pressed. day. There we go. Send that. Send that to my man. Remove the COVID, please. <laughs> yeah. Right. We were talking about lions. Versus leopards. Yes. And rampant lions. And I was right. So, a lion rampant, uh, that is a lion, and a leopard is one that is walking with its head turned. Right. What's it if it's doing a cartwheel? It's not as leopard as in the classical, it's got spots on it, leopard. It's just another name for lion. But it did carry symbolic meaning. I read this. Uh, it, apparently, it's thought to be the union between a lion and a mythical beast called a pard, hence a leo pard oh, they right. came together and did the do and created the leopard which is a mythical creature so are you aware was this a deliberate segue into the merlion no there's the a merlion lion. the fish lion the merlion is the symbol of singapore no way the merlion yes there's a statue of the merlion in i don't know merlion park or something right uh and yeah so the merlion is a bottom half is a fish and the top half is a lion and it's a symbol of singapore i mean it would be rubbish if it were the other way around the head of a fish and the body of the, the back legs of a lion <laughs> could come at you at pace over land but then just suck at you with its fishy mouth <laughs> not really because it would just be two legs pushing its face through the dirt <laughs> look um heraldry is weird there are things that are like that in heraldry uh where you get these weird animals jo- <laughs> conjoined 
what's it called? I think the term is called demediation, where one animal turns into another one. Oh, like a griffin. Yes, or a cockatrix, or a... What's a oh, cockatrix? What's a cockatrix is a, a cockerel and a pig joined together. Oh, where's the tricks come from? What's that got to do with a pig? I don't know. If you saw a cockerel and a pig sewn together, you'd think it was a trick as well. <laughs> I would say it was a trick. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, lions and leopards. The French used to call the English the leopards. That was their name for us because of the badge. Okay, well, it's better than the cocks, isn't it, that we call them? Yeah, yeah I have to say, as, as as disparaging nicknames go, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, it's the leopards. Yes. Like, really? That's that's what you're going with? <laughs> yeah. And apparently those three lions on the shirt... They were the banner of one of the kings. Richard I. The Lionheart. Yes. Richard the Lionheart. And he were, they represent King of the English, that's Lion 1, Duke of Normandy, Lion 2, and Duke of... Aquitaine? I don't know where Aquitaine is. It's in France. Duke of Aquitaine of France. Okay, that's interesting, because I think the Duke of Normandy one is actually two leopards. You're a leopard short already. See, that's the problem with leopards. You start collecting them, and then suddenly you've got a whole leopard farm on your hands. They should have gone with penguins. (gasps) Three penguins on a shirt. (laughs) We talked about the mosaic crab and how poisonous it is. Do you know why it's poisonous? I found this out. Well, I did not. I did not know all about those multicolored crabs um, at all. So I was. Would you eat them though? Um, crab is one of those things I went for a long while avoiding, and then I had it and thought that this is actually rather nice. And then having spider crabs as well. They're the big They're ones, very aren't nice they? As- I felt that the, very nice as well. I felt that the namer of the Singaporean crabs really suffered from a. a deficit of imagination what should we call this one orange <laughs> how about this one it's better than suffering from like color blindness i suppose yeah it could have been really, really confused. Yeah, green crab you can tell it by its yellow legs yeah it would have confused things completely yeah um so the mosaic crab uh, the most poisonous crab in the world known as mm. crab of death crab of death that's what it's called is that where cancer comes from death oh crabs. that's very good <laughs> yeah I wonder what you were going about. That was a multi-layered joke. That was. It was pretty good. (laughs) I had to work my my head around that. Um, The shell contains saxitoxin. The saxiest of all the toxins. (laughs) And that's because it eats the poisonous sea cucumber. That's like its main food. So So it eats the toxins and the toxins go through the body. And that's why it's so very poisonous. I thought sea cucumbers were a delicacy in Japan. Perhaps it's a different species of them. Perhaps it's how you prepare them. Yeah, or Well, but the species. thing is, they do say that however you prepare the mosaic crab, it's still super poisonous. That's kind of the thing that they talked about, wasn't it? It's like you can't you cook it all you like, it's still super poisonous. Yeah, and uh, super poisonous it is. Gram for gram, it's 1,000 times more deadly than cyanide. That sounded Ooh. like an advert. <laughs> I'm angling for the Do you hate your spouse? (laughs) I want to talk about sand sharks I know you do So, uh, because I I found this fascinating So, you, you were talking about If there was a young child that couldn't swim By the age of four By the age of I thought it was two, but okay, four. They would, these people would feed them sand shark, which right. would give them the powers to then be able to swim. 
Yes. Right. So <laughs> yes. sand shark, I thought, can you eat sand shark? You know, is it good for you? Do people do that? Is that a thing? It turns out it is. It totally is. Um, sand sharks are about five to six feet long. So quite long. It's like I'm not a, sure they ate the whole thing. I think they just had fillets <laughs> of sand shark. Oh, I've misunderstood. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, this is this is it, right? So they are a harmless shark, you know, to humans, not to fish. <laughs> Other fish. Um, they're not vegetarian. Uh, they are found near the shore. So you can fish for them by standing on the seashore and just hooking them. And that's, in fact, how people do catch them. Now, and by no means me continuing on this thread, do I recommend or endorse killing and eating yeah, sharks? Yeah, don't kill and eat sharks, people. That's... Just leave them be. Uh, But just this is how it's done. So they are a a brownish gray color. They have red spots on them. They can weigh up to 160 kilograms. So you have to be careful how you kill the sand shark. Because if you kill it and you traumatize it, the meat becomes tainted. What does it taste of? Anxiety. (laughs) Pretty much, right? So there is a high mercury level in sand shark meat. So you should only have a, a small amount of it, which if you're a child, I guess is probably okay. And once you've slaughtered the shark, the urea turns into ammonia and that gets absorbed into the meat. And it's because they urinate through their skin. I did not know that sharks urinate through their skin. Well, didn't know that. So to get rid of the taste of ammonia, you have to let it bleed out. And you do that by cutting off part of its tail and part of its front gills and letting it bleed out through both ends of that. Or just have a sandwich. Yeah. I think maybe we stumbled on something here, which is you feed the child ammonia-laden sand shark and say, you're going to keep having sand shark for dinner until you can swim. And that's what's <laughs> driving the people to go, oh, I need to practice this stuff because I'm, I'm very dying, much yeah. tired of this horrible shark. Meat. Yeah. One of the more difficult things about slaughtering a sand shark, apparently, is you've got to have a super sharp knife, like a real meaty thing, because if it's got a, that shark leathery skin to get through, it's really tough to, to gut. What's the name of shark skin? Don't know. It's called chagrin. That's really the name, chagrin. Yeah, sh- it's used in chagrin is shark skin. The handles of samurai swords, I think. It's it's very. Uh, it has a very high coefficient of friction. Yeah, and it, it used to be used for ma- for matches, matchboxes as well, so you could strike a match along it. Yeah. So I also have a, a food and flavor based thing I checked after the podcast, which was you, Ryan, asked what bird's nest tastes like, yes. and it. I didn't know at the time. And I'm glad you didn't bring any. I didn't. Yeah, well, that's definitely the case. (laughs) Yes, I I was sort of, I was just waiting for that. Is it? Is it? Is it? (laughs) I assume you've not had it, Paul. I've I've not had burst nest soup, no. Would you try it? I'd try anything once, I think, but it doesn't sound very appetising, does it? What, bird's bit? No. Well, the the things I Googled, I Googled what does it taste like, because you asked and I didn't know, and Mm. uh, the... The consensus was not really anything, like egg whites, no real flavour. It just takes on, it's a consistency that people uh, particularly seek out. So you mentioned sea cucumber earlier has a similar squishy consistency that yeah. is one of the other delicacies. Um, so yeah, the, the flavour is not the point. The, the consistency is the purpose apparently. And it takes on the flavour of the broth that you put it into. Okay, well, there you go. Seems like a lot of money for something that doesn't taste like much. Yeah, just... Yeah, it's that it's that weird. Well, certainly not to sort of British or Western tastes. That sort of gloopy, for want of a better word, snotty consistency, uh, glutinous or something. Yeah. Well, I find this with most yeah. delicacies. I find, by and large, wherever I go, the food that normal peasants eat, I'm very much into, 
And it's just only when you get into the delicacies that you're into the realms of, oh, no, I wouldn't touch that. So, I mean, even something like caviar, I mean, really, there's not, mm. there's nothing there. Well, yeah, caviar's to bit take it or leave it, but foie gras, no, that's nice. Ooh, now we're into cruel, cruel food territory. All of it's cruel. We should only be eating carrots. And sand shark. But relaxed sand shark, not anxious sand shark. <laughs> anxious sand shark. That's a great name for something. I don't know what production company or something call it my band I'm gonna, my next band is going to be called Anxious Sandshark <laughs> yeah I love it must learn yeah. to play a guitar or something I have to say I was very impressed with your ABBA song Ah, <laughs> who who wrote who wrote the lyrics to that? That's Pete. Oh, everything it's is Pete's a joint episode. effort. Okay. Everything's a joint effort here. That were so. Who did you get to do that? Well, so massive shout out and a huge thanks to the lovely Beth George. You can find at Beth George Music at Fiverr.com, um, who was a great sport, and uh, we <laughs> we challenged her with the task of um, doing a. Um, What's a? It's not a copy. What's the word? A parody. A homage. Cover. A homage. <laughs> Pastiche. Yeah. I think Pastiche. Uh, what you should know, Paul, is we did actually attempt to do it ourselves at the very beginning, oh, it was so bad. and it became very clear very quickly that none of us had the talent required <laughs> to make this song work. <laughs> Plus, it needed a female voice, <laughs> and that's why we did that. And it wasn't at all the fact that neither yes. one of us could do the Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan, Jackie, Jackie, Jackie Chan more than twice without just mucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> if you think tax sucks, you can save some bucks. Singapore's tax free, Jackie Chan gently. If you like tax nice and low, gonna be your town. Where the chili club is fab and the crime rate's down. If your income's growing, and you're looking for a home, Singapore's tax free. Jackie Chan gently. Life expectancy's the best, and it ain't no lie. You can do your broadband test, and the speeds are high. Singapore's tax free. Jackie Chan gently. Oh, we can go dancing, we can go walking, as long as we're together. Listen to some music, maybe just talking, enjoy the lovely weather. But there's just one thing, now that I want to chew, there's gum that I want to do, it's Wrigley's. So now can take the hint it's you or the double men but I think you know that I have to go Singapore's tax free Jackie Chan gently life expectancy is the best and ain't no lie you can do a broadband test in the streets of the, the only downside of that entire song and i and i hope you actually get marked down for this actually pete uh, and i mean this sincerely it's because it has been stuck in my head 
oh, since mate. we came up with the idea. I've had the same problem. I cannot get rid of Jackie Chan Jet Li it, out of my head. It, and I, I, I go found to bed it, with it. I wake up with it. It's all the time, isn't it? All the all time. All the time. I'm with you. I, I'm, I've had my, I, occasionally I get rid of it and then just the slightest thing <laughs> triggers it and it pops back and it's like, ah, no. A horrible tinnitus. Uh, who is Jet Li? Jet Li is a, a martial arts actor uh, famous for many movies. Uh, yeah, similar in a way to Jackie Chan. Yes. Okay, I've not heard of him. Yeah, they're... I've heard of Bruce Lee, but not Jack Lee or whatever he's called. Jackie Chan, Jet Li. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! So, I have a thing. Yeah. A good friend of the show called Teresa Stinson. Mm-hmm. She's written to us because she is a resident of Singapore. Okay and uh how <laughs> oh, cool yeah right so she's very kindly been back to tell us that a we did a decent job of capturing the essence of singapore culture apparently there is also a law that you're not <laughs> you're not allowed to be naked in your house wait what how would they know how would well, anyone know I, I suspect this is one of those laws that is a law no one's going to get done for but yeah you're not allowed to be naked in your house oh so you can't change your clothes ever. <laughs> that seems you were never nude, right? You can't. You have to always be. I guess that means you could wear gloves <laughs> whilst you're naked. <laughs> That's good. Any other facts from Teresa Stinson? Well, yeah, I've got a few here actually. So she's um, it's the, now bear with me on this because it opens quite controversially, but it's it's okay. <laughs> Everyone is obsessed with race. Okay, right, but not in a. Uh, racist racist way. way but like where are you from right are you singaporean chinese malaysian china chinese chinese singaporean indian so i guess what you've got is this melting pot of people uh it's a crossroads right it's a crossroads of a place we we've talked about it it's yeah. on this trading route where there's there's all these people coming in oh absolutely it's an incredibly strategic place exactly so and actually it says um she says it's a it's a it's a delicate balance, but any kind of overt racism is really super punished and frowned on. So it's not to see who's better than who. It's just kind of a, where are you from? Okay. What's your background kind of thing? Everybody apparently celebrates everyone else's holidays. So they get loads of days off nice. for all the Christian, Muslim and Buddhist holidays. So the other thing she mentions is like the big obsession in Singapore is food and drink. So she mentioned we got chili crab. Uh, she also talks about the durian fruit. Right, smelly fruit. Smells oh, like yeah. rotting flesh, but tastes sublime. Have you tried that, Paul? I've smelt it in Kuala Lumpur. But I've dealt it <laughs> in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the final thing she adds is um, basically, yeah, it is really nice and super modern and super lovely. And look at my lovely life. I hope you enjoy Croydon. <laughs> Great. Ah, sucker. Well, more yeah. or less, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was basically it. But a uh, massive shout out to Teresa for bothering to write all of that and telling us that actually we were broadly correct and filling out a bit more. Yeah. Say thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. How do you think you'd fare in a Singapore prison? A Singapore prison? Um, I have no idea, but I should think they're probably... I think they're probably quite basic. They're pretty hellish, except the broadband is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you live for a really long time in that prison. <laughs> yes. Right, let's uh, let's get to it, shall it's we? time for this, the highlight, the summary, the climax of the show. Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's play that tune. 
Mr. Dursley. Judge Dursley. Uh, don't worry, there's no black cat this time. Oof, wow. Okay, so let's get to it. So uh, what's the grade? What are you going to give him this for his episode 28, Singapore? I think I will give Pete a straight B. Yes! I felt that I was. I know he was never in reach. Uh, there was too little to work with. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty comfortable that uh, I acquitted myself acceptably. Thank you very much, Paul, the Judge Dursley. Thank you, and I'm looking forward to next week. So, just as a reminder for those people that that, that can't recall, I pulled the wild card for the country and selected Canada. Uh, the time period is 1800 to 1850, and uh, the subject was an interesting one, wasn't it? It was. It was. It's not rocket science. How I interpret that, you'll have to wait and see. And this time next week, you'll find out. Maybe you should do how they develop the agricultural approaches to certain types of lettuce. Oh, no, that is rocket science. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) That's it. That's the end of the verdict. You have um, triumphed again. Triumphed yet again. Another B grade. Very happy for you. The <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> magnanimity that really makes you. Yeah. Well. Anyway, that was the show for this week. And by the show, I mean the verdict. Um, thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about in this episode, or in fact the previous. History Happened Everywhere or any of our episodes, you can do that. Just like Teresa Stinson, you can get in touch and let us know. And you can do that by going on to Twitter, uh, where we are at HHE Podcast. Or if you're, um, you know, in the past, you can email us at hhepodcast at gmail.com. And you can definitely feature on a show if you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That helps us. It helps other people discover the show, which is really good for us. Uh, and in the meantime, you can find and join discussions about the show on Reddit or on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn. And in all of those places, we try and put a little bit of history happened everywhere. Every other day, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, right. And we will be back again. You can take that to the bank. We're going to be here again. We will. So, we have nothing else to do. <laughs> so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And we'll be back again with a new time, a new topic, a new place. Uh, and if you can't wait that long, there's old shows in our archive. You can access them and download them on YouTube, your podcast provider, or hhepodcast.com. So, Paul, Mr. Dursley, thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for your grading. Uh, my pleasure. And I'm glad you managed to get through an episode keeping your trousers on. Yeah, and sober. And sober. <laughs> they do go hand in hand, really. Don't they? they do a little bit. <laughs> right. Well, all that's left to say is you've been listening to history happened everywhere. The verdict. I smell of bacon.